Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the latest Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fair. I'm joined this week by Samuel Luckhurst as we look ahead to Manchester United's match against Liverpool in the Premier League. And we'll also look a bit back on the uh, dramatic comeback win against Atalanta in midweek. Samuel, it has been, you know, like I said there, a few days which sort of epitomised everything we know about United under Oligar Solskjaer. The same mistakes keep cropping up, but they have got the individual talents to paper over the cracks for now. Yes, it, it felt like a an almost direct sequel or better than the original uh, to, to the Villarreal game in that there were there were acts of desperation in it. It was it was a comeback win. It was the Champions League again. But certainly the the attacking play was more coherent, more structured. Um by and large they they had two or three very good chances in the first half. And I I, I tweeted it at the time, even though there was the, the booing at half time, I, I, I did feel that that the game was salvageable just because Atalanta was so permeable. Um, that They were a very good attacking side, as, as we saw, but they were very gettable defensively. And even when United were missing big chances, like Rashford just before half-time, um, Ronaldo just after uh, the second half restarted, and, and the McTominay chance when he when he hit the post at 2-1, I think it was. I, th- I think I, I still personally felt confident that United would, would get something out of the game. And uh, quite rightly, when Maguire scored, he quickly turned to restart the match because they they could still win it and they and they did get that win it was it was fully deserved overall so th- th- there was a lot about it that was that was positive um that obviously would have given supporters encouragement um yeah the, the, there is always a buzz about a, a champions league night when when you do win like that but i could also understand paul skull sounding as miserable as morrissey afterwards because it you know, I think papering was one of the top 20 trends on, on Twitter that, that night as well, which kind of summed it all up in that defensively United are just so gettable at the moment. I don't think it really matters what midfield you play. I think the midfield balance is better with certain players in it than others, but there's only so much you can do at the moment. And again, they were indebted to De Gea with those two saves at 2-1 at down. Um, and unfortunately for them, they're coming up against one of the informed teams on the continent at the moment, uh, who are not struggling for goals whatsoever. And you know that 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 looks a little bit ominous. But they they certainly needed that win to at least get them in a more positive mindset for the Liverpool game. Even though I, I still think a lot of United fans probably aren't probably aren't expecting a win. But then again, it wouldn't be a surprise if they if they do turn up on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Again, that's sort of another one of those quirks under Solskjaer, isn't it? That you almost oddly expect them to pull the rabbit out of the hat against Liverpool. But as you said there, Samuel, one clean sheet for United now in their last 20 games in all competitions. The midfield selection, like you said, it seems to almost be tactical rather than individual sort of talents, which which define that. Heading into this weekend game, 
you know, we asked to do our panel pieces, weren't we, for the game, which will go live on Sunday, so you can check those out on the MEN, the sort of lineups myself and Sam no would like to see for the game. No spoilers. But in terms of the, the team that you go for, United pretty much played their strongest 11 available to them against Atalanta, didn't they? In terms of personnel and in terms of what you'd expect, because Freddie McTonley, you know, I know they're controversial and they're so they divide the fan base, but for big games, they do sort of suit, suit the style United need. So in terms of going forward, what do you think can actually change United to address this slump at the moment? Because like we say, you've got to praise them for the manner in which they did come back, but they shouldn't have to come back at home to Atalanta, should they anyway? No, and that's why it didn't feel a particularly significant win, even though the manner of it was was quite enthralling. Because it was Atalanta, because it was Champions League group stage, they're not one of the top three teams in Italy. They're probably not even in the top six teams in Italy in terms of, of history and, and, and clout and how, much, how renowned they are. So I suppose the win was automatically diluted, the significance of it, because of that. Uh, and also this week was always going to be defined by the Liverpool game. Now, I think a lot of people were surprised when there wasn't a half-time change on on Wednesday. And I suspect he probably didn't make a change because the back of his mind, he's also thinking, these are the guys who I'm banking on to beat Liverpool or, or get a result against Liverpool on Sunday. So for all the injury doubts uh, going into this weekend's game, I, I still wouldn't be surprised if the same team lines up uh, as the one against Atalanta because they are probably the most trusted players he's got available to him at the moment. Um, I, I thought Fred had a pretty good impact coming back into the side. McTominay less so. You're only going to go so far with those two midfielders, but for this period, Solskjaer needs players that he can trust who are going to pull him out of the mire steady the ship, and then maybe after the November internationals, when I think we all still expect him to still be United manager at that point, then he can maybe look to be a bit more adventurous and, and try and make a transition to a more more proactive formation. But I think it was Steve Holland who said during the Euros that there aren't many teams out there that just play one, one holding midfielder and there aren't many teams out there that are good enough to get away with it. Liverpool don't even do it most of the time. And maybe that will suit United this weekend in that Liverpool's midfield is it's, it's not like cities. It is full of workhorses. It is, it, there are some quality players in there as well. But United maybe feel as though they, they can match that, even though on paper the, the options they've got there um, in the form they're in at the moment are, are inferior. Of course, another sort of, we want to talk about these quirks or these traditions under Oligar Solskjaer. It's maybe vague team news, isn't it, Samuel? And the press conference today, he said that, you know, the two or three doubts for the match, Bruno Fernandes and Fred are the, the headlines there. Marcus Rashford went off with a dead leg against Atalanta as well. It seems like all three of them could be fit, but then there is also that mitigation that one of them could miss out. Do you almost think that if Fernandes was missing this weekend, it would make United's choice of selection that bit easier, actually, because against Atalanta midweek, we, we saw both sides of him, didn't we? We saw the frustration of him trying these passes. Yeah. And, you know, he's never going to have a high pass accuracy. We all know that, but he does take the risks. And sometimes you do need those risks in these big games. But United, you sense if they're going to have any chance of an upset this weekend, they just need to all play at the optimum level and, and keep it quite safe. In terms of the team news, do you expect Fernandes to be fit yourself based on what Solskjaer said? And like I said, there, do you actually... Do you think he would be a huge loss or, or do you think United would be able to cope without him? It, it's somewhat pointless being coy because the, the squad will probably end up on the MEN on, on Saturday night anyway. But if, if Fernandez isn't there, that's that's going to be 
that's going to be cause for concern because because of his impacts, because of his propensity to create something out of nothing. He, he was diabolical in the first half on, on Wednesday night. I think it was the one pass he played where Fred had the chance. And in fairness to that, Fred still had a fair amount to do to, um, to get the shot off. But nobody expected Fernandes to be hauled off at half-time. And he did start the second half. Uh, much more intense. The the pass for Rashford was was brilliant, but then there was a period of regression, and there was an element of luck with with Maguire's goal that it went all the way through there. Um, I mean, it was it was a travesty. He was given the man of the match award. He, I know, it, it was it was just really just judging him by numbers, and I think that's that's one of the um, the issues with with football in general. In that you come away from that game, and some people just judge players on numbers, and they'll say. Fernandes had a brilliant game when he, he really didn't. He, he had a pretty terrible game, but five or six passes that he hit stuck um, and two of them led to goals. So he, his propensity for creating chances was was still high. But it was interesting that they put him up for the, for the post-match chat because it was an opportunity to ask him about it. And I think he, he knew how bad he was and he accepted the, the questions that were pretty much alluding to the, the low performance level that he, he he provides in the first half, but that that is his game. We've we've come to you know we've, we've become very very familiar with it. He's he's never going to have a high passing accuracy, and the game isn't about that either. And his game isn't about that. He he is a risk taker, and I think United knew they were getting that when 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 they scouted him and and Solskjaer watched him in person in Lisbon. But there are times when. It really doesn't help. And I think the real giveaway on Wednesday night was that the crowd were becoming exasperated, not so much with the team in general, but it was mainly Fernandes. It was Fernandes' passing that was really irking them. And I think the match goers are usually the, the truest gauge of um, how a player's doing. The fact that they were actually borderline getting on his back was, was quite telling. Um, so despite how bad he was in midweek, he still came up with results and he would still be a huge loss this weekend but that said because of the whole balance at United and the whole dynamic there I still wouldn't be surprised if even if without Fernandez, they came up with a positive result if if he's not fit then I think Lingard is the one who has to play I know there'll be a lot calling for Van der Beek to come in but that that is not going to happen I don't think it should happen I think Lingard would be the natural player to come in for him there's our weekly shout-out to Donny van der Beek. Anyway, yeah. that's the closest he'll get to an appearance this weekend, probably. So uh, like cherish that one. cameo. That's, that's, that's all the <laughs> airtime he gets. Uh, so, yeah, we talk about that. And I I, I said that to you on, on our chat previously in the day, saying, you know, Lingard probably does make sense, although I suggested coming for Greenwood, which, on, upon reflection, probably doesn't make as much sense anyway, and particularly maybe if Rashford's a bit of a doubt, you put Lingard in on the left instead. Um, yeah. Another thing that you said there was in terms of the match going fans having maybe the, the truest gauge of the of the feeling around Old Trafford. For you in midweek, what was the atmosphere like towards Solskjaer? Obviously he, he applauded the fans when they went in 2-0 down at half time. He he praised the supporters at full time as well for you know the Red Army for never giving up and he said almost that the moment the fans give up on the team is, is when it will almost be over for them because match going fans are very different to, to what you see on social media. What is the the sort of feeling around the club and particularly on match days towards Solskjaer at the moment in time? It's still very supportive. Before the game even started, they were chanting Ole's at the wheel and they chanted his name specifically when, when the teams emerged and when the two um, sets of coaching staff emerged for it as well. 
which I wasn't surprised by. I think after a bad defeat, sometimes you get your best support and that proved to be the case. And they're never going to turn on Solskjaer. Uh, they, they might they might turn, not, not turn on the team, but certainly voice their disapproval of how the team performed, which they did. Uh, I don't think the boos were too surprising at halftime. I mean, I think somebody said, oh, that, that doesn't happen very often, but it, it has happened quite a lot in the last eight years, certainly. And there've been occasions when... Uh, Fergie teams in very strange circumstances like a, a home draw with West Brom having been 2-0 up some some booed them at the end so booing is probably more rife at, at football games it's not something that I've ever done I, I don't I don't agree with it I don't think it's helpful um, but it is something that you you take note of when when it does happen and it was I think more interesting than that was that as Solskjaer was walking off he actually applauded that corner of the ground who um, where they've I know they don't like being called the singing section, but it, it literally is that. That's what it's been established as. And their their backing was from, from start to finish. And he was clearly very appreciative of that. And I think that's probably why he was quite emotional at the end of the game as well, when he was uh, discussing the, the support that, that those specific supporters provided. I know there was the quote he gave to CBS where he, he said that the fans are better than that. And, and I take his point, but I also... I don't think that was necessarily a very helpful comment to make, which I know is what what Jamie Carragher said because he's he's the pundit on CBS. But again, it's it's an emotional game, and he's just not not come back from the brink as such. But he certainly, you know, they've they've come from behind. It's it's a comeback victory. It's something to to savor in those last few moments that you're spending at the at the stadium, and and some supporters are still inside and still singing his name and. It is a strange dynamic because whenever you tweet, oh, you know, they're chanting Solskjaer's name or he's come back out from the tunnel for his post-match duties and he's getting a round of applause, that that seems to really ruin people's day online, um, people who purport to be United fans. And sometimes we have to differentiate the demographics. There are there are the matchgoers, there are the um, people who, who follow United and are supportive on them, but, of them but cannot get to games. And... They, they'll take a dim view of the booing and, and they'll also take a dim view of those on social media who just, you know, say, get Ole out, get Conte or Zidane in without giving any thought to how unsuitable those two coaches would be for United as well. So th- there are so many nuances at play, but as I've said before, I, I just do not ever see the day coming where however bad it gets that United fans will will turn on Solskjaer because he has done so much for the club, not just as a player, obviously more so as a player, but even as a manager, he has done an awful lot of work and he probably has, to an extent, exceeded expectations. Yeah, exactly. I know I've said on previous podcasts that I think he can still be a success at the job he's done, if not necessarily a success at the job he's doing maybe right now in terms of taking that to the next level. But, you know, I think fans maybe need to take a step back and realise just how much sort of disarray they were in when, when he inherited the squad. Look at the squad turnover as well. And I know fans as well don't like saying that he he's maybe got that sort of human touch and, you know, he has made it a happier place to be around but that is that is sort of another factor to it all but like you said we shall see maybe these next month or so just just where United are really at and you know this game against Liverpool does feel like the real sort of barometer of just how good United can be. Looking ahead to the game as well Samuel 
I know that Solskjaer was asked at his pre-match pre press conference about the comparison between Salah and Ronaldo. He said you know, he's always going to have Cristiano's back in these sort of arguments and they're, they're a bit tedious anyway, but yeah, you know, that's, what the, that's what the fans on social media like to see. I, I don't know why that always has to be a winner. It's the, the thing I don't get about the Messi-Ronaldo debate. I just don't get why you can't enjoy them both. But there's always you've always got to go on one side in, in modern football, haven't you? You've got to be a drastic yes or drastic no. In terms of Ronaldo, though, we've seen him score these goals in... in I say sort of big goals, but he's he's not really played against a, a, an elite team yet since rejoining yeah. United. Okay, Atalanta may be a bit of an exception because they are quite good, but it's still, lads, it's, a, it's Atalanta, isn't it? I mean, yeah. this is a Champions League winner. He shouldn't be reduced to sort of going down on his knees and celebrating a win against them in the group stages quite like he had to. But is this the game really then where Ronaldo's signing is going to be justified? Because... You know, when he left United, these were the type of games that he was winning on his own. He could get those half chances. Um, what are you expecting from, from Ronaldo this weekend? Do you expect it to be all eyes on him again? It's it's a pretty fascinating confrontation, him up against Van Dijk. It's probably the, the, the two players at the the two players who are best in their position in the world. Uh, Ronaldo is the best goal scorer in the world. Van Dijk has, has come back from his injury and doesn't look too different from from the centre half he was before he, um, he he got done by Jordan Pickford last year, uh, to, to put it bluntly, and he, Van Dijk has has very very rarely looked uh, vulnerable against United when he's played against them in the past with with Liverpool. Probably the last time he did was when <laughs> was when Anthony Marshall scored a goal against him uh, when he was when he was playing at Southampton, and I think you, you joked earlier that, that Solskjaer will start. Start Marshall and say, "Oh, he scored against Liverpool in 2015, and the the week after he scored against Virgil Van Dijk." Like, it, it, unfortunately, it's as tragicomic as it sounds. It's something that you can imagine him saying if there's an emergency injury to Ronaldo or, or Cavani. But with with Ronaldo, I, I actually thought he was pretty decent on in the first half the other night. Uh, Ty, who sat next to me, was absolutely scathing about him, but I, I thought that he was putting in a bit of a shift. He clearly cared. I know there was some histrionics after the second goal went in, but he's he's just he's a winner. He's he's desperate to succeed. He's not gone back to United to win the FA Cup and the Europa League, which is what Gary Neville suggested would would constitute a successful season. Which is just, uh, I thought Neville's punditry on Monday night was bizarre, and that was one of the most bizarre details of it in a season where United targeting the Premier League or, or the Champions League to suggest that they would settle for these targets and Ronaldo's gone back to win those major honours and I suppose that's the peculiar dynamic of it as I said before in that he's gone back to a club that has not won any of those trophies for for over eight years in the, in the case of the Champions League since 2008 and they've not really they've not really looked like winning it since then even the finals they got to against Barcelona they were absolute Barcelona wiped the floor off them. I mean, it's it's probably a travesty that those two finals were, were won by a two-goal margin. So the Van Dijk game this this weekend, as as, as Ronaldo might see it, um, it's, it's it's going to be a fascinating one. How he works off the ball is always going to be scrutinised. But he's 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 never been he's never been renowned for his pressing, and it is a little bit peculiar that that's been picked up on now when he's a 36-year-old and he has modified his game and. Mourinho, Ancelotti and Zidane all won all those trophies with Real Madrid with Ronaldo doing next to no pressing as well. So it, if, if the ball's in the penalty area, he, he's got to be in the vicinity. I think that's, I, th I think maybe more important than what Ronaldo's role in that team is on Sunday is who he's flanked by, particularly 
given that Rashford got an injury in midweek and there's there's an argument to change it up on the wings anyway because Liverpool's fullbacks are so proactive and you you certainly want to keep them occupied as much as possible but yeah, th- those those are two big calls for Solskjaer to make. Yeah, the more I sort of dissect that, the more I think I should have put Lingard in my panel. I know we said no spoilers, but it, to me it makes sense. And particularly, like you said there, in terms of Ronaldo's pressing, it's almost a non-issue because you know what you're going to get, you know what you're not going to get. But he's a luxury you've got to indulge in and you've got to make up for maybe any lack of movement in, in other ways. So it's down to the way United use him. It's no, no fault of Ronaldo himself. It's ludicrous to suggest that he's the one at fault almost because he's got a career of being one of the best players of all time from, from doing that. So it's going to be really interesting to see. In terms of tactical approach, Samuel, um, I think we all really know the answer to this, but I'm going to, going to query it anyway. I've seen some argument online suggesting, particularly if Bruno Fernandes wasn't fit, that United could switch to that sort of 3-5-2 that, you know, did form sort of the crux of their, their good away form into Solskjaer to begin with. And most United's good results have come in that sort of style of play. Of course, at home to Liverpool, it would just be a huge backward step and it, it just send up completely the wrong message. But do you think that there's any remit to see that that change in the weeks ahead? Maybe not this Liverpool game, but but the games going forward, because obviously something tactically is, is not right at the moment. Well, Varane, I think, is due to be back for the Atalanta return game and there's not a midweek game for him to miss next week. Tottenham, I mean, you shouldn't be switching to a back three against this Tottenham team. It's it's a Tottenham team that, although it's they've picked up form recently, they they are they are worse than last season. They're being managed by a coach who the hierarchy didn't actually want to appoint either. So you've you've got to you've got to be on the front foot against them. And, and United had a good result against Spurs back in April, I think it was. So I don't really see a an obvious occasion for it and as you said it, it would be it would also be a signal of re- regression and some would argue well that's already happened with McTominay and Fred coming back into the side and yes that that is the case but it, it's in this interim period where he's got to get through it and the the, the results trump the performances the, the performance against Atalanta was was de- decent enough the attacking side of it anyway defensively there are major issues there and I suppose the worry for Solskjaer is that he's going into every game without Varane at the moment and he knows that although he literally can change his back four he also can't because Bailly's not played outside the League Cup I don't know why they gave a new contract to Bailly he clearly can't be trusted Solskjaer doesn't trust him to start when Maguire's not fully fit uh, Dallow was a disaster against Real. Alex Tellez has not really been a good signing. He, he doesn't seem like a stable fallback. And he's also not a fallback that's going to put pressure on Luke Shaw either. And then the alternative at centre-half is Ted Mengi, who was playing in the youth league on the morning of the Atlanta game, or Phil Jones, who's not played in nearly two years and came off for the under-23s last week. And we're not sure whether he's injured or not, but whether he's fit or not, he's not someone you'd, you'd consider for selection. So that that is a worry that they're going into a game against probably the most, certainly on current form, the most attack-minded and adventurous side in the Premier League and certainly the most prolific with a very, very unstable and shaky back four. And Lindelof was poor as well again the other night. Maguire only salvaged his performance with a very, very well-taken goal, but defensively, his positioning for the two goals was was dreadful. There's, you could say he's been culpable for the last six goals United have conceded, which is absolutely alarming. I don't think he was 
even got to that level against Tottenham last season in the 6-1. So I don't really think he can do much at the moment other than maybe have a a stable midfield axis there. And I don't necessarily think that that Tomney Fred should be the partnership this, this weekend. As I've said a couple of times, I think he's got to get into a habit of rotating Matic and McTominay in a in a proactive way, but clearly he still sees McTominay as as an adventurous goal-getting midfielder. I mean, I suppose there's an element of confusion there and that McTominay was the closest to, um, I forget his name, the guy who got Atalanta's first goal the other night. And then the second half, he's, he's hitting the post from almost an identical area. So Fred is probably the more defensive out of McTominay and, and him in, in that holding midfield duo. And if you play Fred and Matic, is that being too unadventurous against Liverpool? But I think I thought there were times where Fred... Fred is probably the midfielder who presses the best out of all, all, all the five or six midfielders United have. And there were times where that was very effective against Atalanta. So I'd, I'd certainly pick him and, and Matic because he is the expert. And because Liverpool... Then, although they have the capabilities to overrun, I don't think it's that they really place an emphasis on that when they go to United. There have been a couple of games at United in recent years where they've they should have gone at them and they haven't gone at them. Certainly, when United players were dropping like flies in that February 2019 game, for whatever reason, Liverpool didn't take the game to them. And had they have done so, they they might have won the title in front of a packed Anfield and, you know, take, shown, shown the Premier League trophy to a team in Cop, but they were strangely reticent in that game. So it does have the makings of a draw, um, particularly as well, because this this is a fixture that almost always disappoints. Wow, you've really sold it to me there. Super Sunday uh, style there, isn't it? It's not going to be like that. Was it Red Monday they had a few years ago on Sky Sports? Or yeah, something? I remember it being which was which yeah. is a nil-nil. It was just so anticlimactic. Uh, producer Guy Clark just said it was Mario Pasalic who scored the first goal for Mario Pasalic. Yes. Which yeah. will be a, I know some people at home will be scratching their heads as well, wondering who it would be. Uh, Sam, you've always sort of summed it up there about what you, you're expecting this weekend. Uh, probably a dull draw and an underwhelming game which doesn't deliver. Do you think that would be almost a good result for United in a way, though? Because they might be able to yeah. take the narrative that they've been able to subdue Liverpool and they've been able to take the sting out of a team who are unbeaten in the league this season, still the only team yet to lose a league game. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's the final question to ask you. Do you think United would actually be happy with a point this weekend against Liverpool? But again, that probably is a sign of regression. I, I can see that outcome whereby United get a, a draw and it it's seen as a positive. But as as you said, I, th- I think I've written it already this week, that, that that would have to be seen as regression because two Octobers ago in 2019, they got a draw against Liverpool when there were all the stories and suggestions that United, that Solskjaer might be on the brink because they'd had such a disastrous start to the season that it, it did feel like a positive and that was a positive as well that draw because Liverpool I think had won all their games up until that point in the Premier League and United became the first team to stop them from winning and I think both sides were trying to spin it as you know, as best as they could Liverpool was suggesting United were unadventurous and Klopp I mean, Klopp is a dreadful loser, but he's also a dreadful drawer as well, if that's at all possible. He he will treat a draw like a defeat. And he was trying to, you know, suggest that United were ultra-defensive. But it was, it was a pretty even game. If it had ended five minutes earlier, United might have held on and won. I think if it went for five more minutes, uh, then, then Liverpool might have nicked a winner in the end because they, they were certainly looking likely to, to do so. But the fact that we're talking about that 
and we could be talking about a game similar to that on Sunday is has to be seen as as regression if United do indeed end up drawing the game because that's that's the situation they're in at the moment that the manager is is picking certain players as a means to an end just to get through a very very difficult period and so that he can then maybe establish his his style whatever the hell that is after the November internationals or even in December because they've they've got Chelsea and Arsenal pretty quickly after the November internationals um so I, I I don't disagree with the theory that it would be seen as regression, but you know I think United fans, if 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 it was off to them to get a win over Atalanta and, and a draw over Liverpool um, at the start of the week, they probably would have taken it, given how how dreadful they were at Leicester last week. Yeah, exactly. I guess the the least they can demand this weekend is at least a response from that. Of course, United only won one of their last four Premier League games. So something has to change. And if you can't get up for Liverpool at home, then you've really got to question what is happening at the club. But we shall see maybe next week on the next podcast, we can reflect on what happens at Old Trafford this weekend. Myself and Sammy will be there for the MEN. So please stick with us for all the uh, pre-match build-up and then for all the live coverage on Sunday. As Samuel said, we should hopefully have the squad for you as well uh, over the weekend. And that should give us an early indication as to... Oligosolcious team news for the match. So, Samuel, thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester is Red podcast. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it. And thank you very much once again, wherever you may be in the world. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time. <laughs>